TikTok is personal. It's getting super personal. So if you want to know what technology I believe will be the big trend in the next five years, you should watch TikToks. Welcome to TikToks, where we dive into the stories behind the leaders shaping our world. I'm your host, TJ Walia. Our next guest is a tech enthusiast and advisor, IoT and industrial metaverse expert, and the former ex-principal PM manager at Microsoft, where he led the IoT developer experience and communities engagement. Having moved from Microsoft France to Microsoft Corp in the US, he brings a wide range of experience and skills and knowledge. Welcome to T-Talks, Olivier. Well, thanks, DJ, for having me here. No, it's absolutely a pleasure. Uh, Olivia, for our guest, if you can give us a quick intro about yourself and your background. You've not been super clear about whether it's 30 seconds or one minute of intros, and I can do either or more. Um, but in a nutshell, uh, who am I today? I'm an IT advisor. I'm a tech enthusiast. I'm a dad of three teenagers, you know, that you can see. And um, I've been in the IoT space for something like 25 years uh, and uh, studied data school and then made it my job as a developer first, uh, then became an expert and started training people uh, uh, around embedded and real-time OS technologies uh, to then join Microsoft to be a technical evangelist uh, for the Europe zone. Uh, and I, I got to learn even more about the embedded technologies and the various actors, silicon vendors, software developers, and so on. Joined Microsoft Corp 15 years ago, 16 years ago, something like that, to do the same thing worldwide. So joined the Windows Embedded team, helped them grow uh, down there, and then did a, a three or four years with Microsoft Open Technologies after that. And uh, the idea there was to pave the way for Microsoft to work with open source and to open source their own stacks. Uh, so we're pretty successful, uh, as you can see today, uh, considering how Microsoft is working with open source and is itself um, a big uh, open source contributor. And uh, then I joined the Azure IoT team at a time where um, they were creating that team. I joined were 25 devs and PMs. And uh, I helped them understand the device side of things. And they taught me the cloud side of the story. And so I learned about the cloud a lot during these uh, seven years that I spent with the Azure IoT team, uh, taking on different workloads, including uh, you know, device SDKs ownership, and then rapidly put my you know, evangelist hat back on because I knew that building a platform, you needed to have the support of developers uh, within industrial customers or any kind of other type of customers for them to adopt, pick and adopt the, te the, the technology and the platforms that we're developing. So I thought it was super important. I got the support from the leadership team to go out and create the IoT show, be at events, create technical content for events, uh, tracks for all the Microsoft events around IoT. It was behind that uh, and enjoyed that very much. And it's been now several months that I'm no longer with Microsoft. I'm consulting, helping companies who are in their digital transformation early steps to understand uh, what IoT is about, how they can take advantage of it, uh, and how they can implement that, as well as how they can reach uh, new audiences or more audiences, creating technical content, uh, still continuing the IoT show. And here I am. And besides that, um, you know, and on a more personal basis, and I'm past the minute, but you didn't tell me how long. So that's fine. Uh, on the <laughs> personal on note, uh, I'm, I'm a French guy living in the US, now also American. 
Um, I've been living in several countries when I was a kid. I love multicultural, you know, companies, groups, teams, uh, and really very much like push to that every single place I go to. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's, that's awesome. It's a, it's an incredible journey, uh, Olivia. And I mean, you simplify, it seems like, you know, if everything's so linear, uh, I remember when we met in, uh, in Redmond, um, a few months ago and we were having a conversation, uh, and you know, and this will take me right into my, my next question, but that pivotal point, you mentioned it then I'd love for our viewers to understand what that pivotal point in your life was that took you from, you know, point A to where you are today. And when you look back and say, yeah, you know what, that was the defining point that took me down yeah. my career journey. In, interestingly, I would argue that since since you asked me the question, I thought about it again. Um, I wouldn't qualify things as having only one pivotal pivotal point, right? They have several pivots in a career, as in their life, right? In in a personal life, could be a marriage, could be kids, could be, you know, um, a bunch of things uh, moving. Uh, and then work wise, there's the moving, changing company, changing roles. Um, the most notable ones, definitely, um, you know, uh, in my career, I would say, are kind of crossed with the personal life as well. And they've been, to me, the most impactful because they were, at, at the same time, a life change as well as a career change. And the first one was moving to the U.S. Moving to the U.S., you know, my wife didn't speak a word of English. We had two kids already. Uh, and and so that was a big jump, you know, and uh, and and it was at the same time a career change as well as a personal change. Um, a second more recent one is layoff that happened, uh, you know, back in March uh, that hit my team and myself. And so that was once again, both a, you know, important pivotal point in the personal life where you have to reevaluate everything after 17 years in corporate uh, and, uh, you know, take Take control of everything there. And then the, the other um, aspect, which is the professional one, deciding to go on my own, consult, advise, uh, capitalize on these years of experience and, and share with the community and the industry rather than go back to corporate. So I might go back at some point, but working for myself, having several customers of different sizes in different domains, I kind of like that. And that's a, that was one of the other Maybe not intentional, but welcome pivotal point in my career. No, it's um, that's it's you know quite incredible to go through those pivots, if you will. In some cases, some of them are put upon you, right? Like you're talking about the impact in in uh, of last March. In other cases, mm -hmm. they're decisions that you have to make and go through. Um, Decision making. Tell me a little bit more about that. What yeah. does that look like for you, uh, especially when it's impacting your family, your kids, your way of life um, from your wife going from a you know, country where she knew everything inside out to a whole new culture, new language. Everything's complex. That's a big decision. How do you guys go about making such decisions? Yeah, it is. It is definitely a big decision. I think one of the rule of thumbs um, that I apply to myself, I would say that 17 years ago might not have been that wise or, you know, experience. Um, so decisions might not have been database or, you know, experience based because you were younger. But I think one of the rule of thumbs, though, is to try and not separate professional and personal. We spend lots of hours in the day 
in our work, in our job, you know, whether it's in the corporate infrastructure was like if we're working for one company, working for your own uh, and having, you know, several customers, um, you, you spend a lot of time at, at work, even if it's from home. Um, and the, the, the decisions you're taking for your work will impact your life in a way or another. And your life at, at large could be, you know, your spouse, could be your partner in life, could be your family, uh, could be your kids. They are impacted in a way or another. Um, even if it's a small change, by the way, you know, you change job, um, even if you stay in the same house and so on, you're changing job, it will have an impact. That's for sure. So don't, don't split and separate things. Don't try and deal with them separately. Um, the other thing is you will never get 100% of what you want. It's like, you will not. That's, you know, the rule in life. Like, don't expect to get everything you want because you will not. And you'll only be disappointed. Um, so that's the second aspect of it. Try to find the best and the best balance. Uh, not everything will be perfect. Not everything will work. But you have to balance it out so that it does work um, with some things to go through and caveat and adjustments. Uh, but this is something that you learn to deal with and do, you know, as you grow up, as you get older, as you get wiser, more mature, get beard, get gray. Um, and uh, so that's that's something that my recommendation is don't split and don't expect to have everything you want at once. Work towards it, you know, uh, and um, and make decisions sometimes that are bold, that might seem scary and, and daunting. You know what? You'll recover. You'll you'll fall back on your on your feet and um, and you'll bounce back and you'll you'll move on. Don't be scared of the big decisions. They are decisions, pretty much. I, I love that. They're just decisions. Um, you can you can learn from them. One of the the philosophies that I go with, and I teach my kids this, is the word fail means first attempt in learning. So don't look at it as a failure or a misstep. It's at the first attempt in learning. And those decisions yeah. are going to help you with that. Some are going to be right. Some are going to be wrong. You're not going to get everything perfect. But you learn, you build from those, and you tweak and modify. Uh, the one yeah. thing I really liked that you touched on was having a blend of the work and life. And, and I'm a very a strong advocate of the whole work-life ba balance mindset and uh, methodology. And I've talked to many individuals, and when I'm doing my trainings or teachings around this topic, I do talk about that it's, um, it's, it's a blend. It's not one or the other, or you're cut off at a certain time and you're going on to the other. But not everyone sees it like that. A lot of folks look at it as, you know what, this is work time, and that's all I'm going to do, and now I'm disconnected, and this is you know, personal time. I, you touched on it a little bit from a blend perspective, but how has that helped you in your career of being in a blend because I don't think a lot of individuals realize that when there is a blend, you can be on and off depending on where you need to be and for what you need to be. And that may give you a bit of an edge in your career. I'd just love to get your perspective there. So I think, TJ, um, people get confused when we say work-life balance. Too often I hear people thinking or reacting with work versus life balance. And, and you just say that it's not a matter of one against the other or one or the other. It's a matter of how everything is balanced when they're mixed together. Um, and a good example of that, we work from home, like a lot of us in technology and or we are in a hybrid position that allows us to work partly from home. 
Well, guess what? You heard my dog barking as a minute ago. And then there's going to yeah. be the washing machine stopping. You'll have to go and unload that and put it in the other, uh, you know, on, in, in the dryer. This is life. This is day-to-day life. It happens. Um, it happens. It could happen during the day because you're physically in that location. But it will happen at night, if not during the day, right? And so it's a matter of, to me, of for each individual finding what allows them to be as efficient in the, the various aspects of their life. If for one person, you know, multitasking is something that is natural and in between meeting, they will, you know, run an errand or do something, whatnot. And that works for them. And they, they are able to get back in focus in their work stuff and then, you know, split their work day in, in a specific way uh, to integrate, uh, you know, personal stuff. Good for them. If they need to have this time of focus, which is equivalent to going to work and coming back from work, fine. You know, they can do that. If you have to go to, to a physical space to work, then and you need this breaks of like more human, social, you know, non-professional interactions. Well, find colleague buddies that will go out for a lunch with you and or get a coffee break outside of, you know, the office itself. This kind of things. It's a matter of finding how finding a balance, not balancing the two of them, even though what I just said sounds like it, but there's a, there's a notion of they are working together, you know, and you need to find the right equilibrium, the right balance for yourself. And it's different for everyone, but it's super important because, you know, you cannot just be happy with your personal life and be miserable at work and vice versa. You need to find this balance that makes you happy to wake up in the morning uh, and happy about your day. And, you know, it won't be the same every day, but that's, that's what I, you know, thrive for is being happy about my day. That's pretty much what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, and, and a lot of folks don't realize the impact from their home carries into work. So if they've got into an argument with their spouse or a child or whatever, that carries into work with them and vice versa. Yeah. A bad meeting with a supervisor, manager, or another team member gets carried home. Uh, I personally yeah. try to define those lines and don't let it influence me. I'm very, I'm very one-to-one. So if I've had an interaction with someone which has been negative, yes, it's going to impact me, but I will not let that go into my kids or anyone else because I'll try to say, okay, that's a clean slate. It took me a long time to figure how to clean yeah. my emotions out, but I can very effectively do that and be completely normal with my kids, but I will let them know that this has happened. So that's not like I'm hiding anything from them. They know, but I don't treat them differently based on what's happened. Uh, but a lot true, of us true. can't control that emotion of it, right? It's, uh, it carries with us, so. I think it's, I don't know if it's a matter of controlling. I think it's a matter of knowing yourself, you know? Some people will have a temper that, you know, until the steam went out, they can't. They just can't deal with anything else. And that's fine. I mean, that's a personality. They need to understand that. And maybe, you know, step away for a minute and, and you know, take their time before switching to that other mode uh, and, and start interacting. And some people like you are able to do the switch rapidly. I know I'm able to do it. But you know what? Today I'm tired. Today things are not going so well here or there. There's going to be an Absolutely. impact. There's going to be a, you know, a burst of like, why are you doing that? You know? Um, and, and you just realize afterwards, like, oh, that's kind of overreacting here. I'm not sure that I should have reacted like that because it didn't empty the dishwasher or something like that. 
So yeah. it's it's a matter of personality as well. Try and learn learn how you work, how you how you you function, and just be honest about it. And you know, look at it from an outsider perspective. Look at it. Look at yourself from the outside and try and see how you will find that balance. Is it by really compartmentalizing? Is it by putting a buffer in between in terms of time? It depends. I don't think there's one solution that works for everyone. And I personally think there are different solutions that will work for one person depending on their mindset, this, you know, the, their, their, their stage in life and work and whatever. And they need to evolve. They need to adapt. Absolutely. There's so many factors and to every individual, they're unique. They could be financial related. They could be career related. They could be relationship related. Like you name it, the, the possibilities are endless. The one thing I did like what you said there was, uh, you know, how do we react? One thing I share with, uh, with my kids and, uh, and even with my, my, my spouse and say, you know, sometimes we have to respond and not react. And there's a difference between that. A reaction is a gut reaction versus a response is something we think through, you know, take in and then come out with. And it's very slightly different, but the response comes out as a little bit more uh, caring, more controlled, more understanding, as opposed to just a gut reaction. True, true. I I agree with you, like this notion of, of responding versus reacting. Um, that said, in, per, in life, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, things that are more related to feelings and, and you know, relationships, people are demanding that you react because that's the truth. That's the, un, you know, unbiased, you know, if someone makes you a present, you react. It's like, whoa, great. You know, it's not like you are, you are really commending that reaction. And you shouldn't actually. But, but when, when, you know, things are, are not just yourself and not this kind of like very intimate relationships. Yes, you need to consider the fact that there are feelings in front of you as well, that you need to have the right, you have a role as well. Uh, you're a model. For a kid, you are you're a different role. You're a mirror for a partner, um, and uh, you're a kid for a parent. So you have to adapt to that and and definitely respond rather than react. In many cases, not easy. Definitely a skill that is something you know like wine taste or whatever else that you acquire um, a long time. Uh, I think w one thing that personally made me realize that even more than, than my own personal experience is becoming a mentor and a manager and, and realizing that, and we had some really great trainings at Microsoft for managers around that. There's this notion that you have to be a mentor. You have to be uh, caring uh, and not just be a manager, not just be a boss uh, to your teams because um People work based on not just the orders they receive and what they deliver. Uh, they are humans. They have reactions. They have feelings. They have situation, be them like personal or professional, that as a manager for having a team that works, you need to consider. You need to, you know, understand your teams and how each of them work and how best put their efforts together and how best, you know, make this team work in synergy with different personalities. And that teaches you things about yourself as well, because you realize that, oh, wait a second, why did they react like that? And, oh, maybe they have something that didn't go well over the weekend. You were Monday and they're grumpy. And, okay, so 
let's give them space or as their manager, tell them, hey, like something seems off. You do want to talk about it. Do you need some, do you need a break? Do you need whatever? Um, and uh, and so that actually allows you to reflect on yourself and say, oh, wait a second. I had a crappy weekend. Should I reflect that on my colleagues and, and things like that at work? And so you get conscious about yourself by paying attention to others. Uh, and and you're forced to pay attention to others. Otherwise, your team is dysfunctional and you're not a good manager. And that's something that, um, you know, is to me a super important stage in your profession, which is go beyond your personal, uh, your personal, you know, work and your individual contributor stuff and try and also work for and with a team um, you know, as a manager, as a lead, or as a mentor, you don't have to be a team's manager to do these kind of things. You can become a mentor for your younger, more early in career people and help them grow in their career based on your experience. And that's something that will help you as well, personally. I'm yeah. a strong believer of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that actually goes take me to my, my next question. You talk about mentorship from one angle, being a manager. Up. Oh. How has mentorship impacted your career? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think back to the notion of pivotal moment, I had one realization um, and that was in my early years at Microsoft, um, I, I got the chance to be in charge of the embedded competition in the Imagine Cup. Uh, Imagine Cup is a competition, techn technology competition for students from around the world for them to invent something. Microsoft is sponsoring that, is running the event or has been running and it's still on. But I think at the time it was kind of like even bigger than today. And we were traveling, we're bringing finalists from different countries into one place, inviting them, having a big, huge celebration event and so on. And I, I got the chance to be the captain for the embedded competition. And I was seeing all these kids coming in and uh, and talking about their their invention invention showing us and like well, it was pretty amazing pretty humbling actually one year we were in egypt for for this project and i was already kind of like public you know facing and so these students were like kind of like you know for no real reason like you know in awe of like wow this is like not only the Microsoft guy but the one we're seeing on videos and so on and <laughs> And well, there was like one thing, but then they were starting to ask questions. Did they're asking questions like, but like, are we doing the right thing? Is it great? Should we move from our country to go somewhere else? Should we do that, do this? And there was like, well, like you guys are asking the right questions. And, uh, and, and to me, there was that realization that, you know, it's like helping them unanswer these questions that they have based on, you know, my own experience would help them move forward. And, and being unselfish and helping others helped me grow in my career. Like, and that was to me something that for many reasons, this, this Imagine Cup event was like realization that helping others was key and important, not just for the others, but for yourself as well. Um, like the humility you gain, because you know things, you live in an environment, you have you know your blessings, your problems, they have a different perspective in life. They have a different, you know, uh, environment. They have different, you know, uh, perspective. And you learn from them as well. And you enrich yourself by learning, by exchanging. And so mentoring is something that helped me discover new 
type of people in new environments and different kind of profiles. And I think this is super enriching. And I take mentorship as something that is as much for the others as is it for me, a little bit selfish. That's that's bang on. There's a there's a two-way learning out of every time. Every time you're even mentoring or coaching someone, there's something coming back. It's whether it's in yeah. how you're delivering the message, how you're catering to deliver that message, because not everyone understands the same message the same way. Um, but in your life, have you had anyone that you've gotten received mentorship from directly to help with your career? Yeah. Or have you seeked out in that way as well? Yeah. And um, I think, yes, I have. I've searched for it. And sometimes, interestingly, I received mentorship without asking for it. And there were a couple of um, people that I really would thank a lot for what they did for me without, I think, sometimes even realizing it. Uh, one of them is called Eric Mitlet. He used to be my manager at Microsoft Friends. He hired me um, uh, at Microsoft Friends. The anecdote is that I was um, he was hiring a, a developer evangelist, and I got the job because I was the only one who came without a tie. Uh, and uh, and he was like, you know what, Olivier, you did dare come without a tie, and I thought it was a statement. And and I just responded, you know what? Besides my wedding one, I don't have any ties anyway. So, <laughs> so that was it. But um. But he he taught me very important things. He had been in, in at Microsoft for a long time, worked for other companies. He had a very you know fascinating career path that was coming from something totally different than technology, but it still landed there. And um, it, it, one thing I, I will always remember, he told me, he was someone like very you know we're talking about anything but work. But it was this one thing he was saying about work was Olivier, you have to know your numbers. Whatever that means for you, you have to know your numbers. No one will will tell you, uh, you know, your results or your impact, but yourself. You have to know your numbers. And since then, I've been applying that. What are my numbers? What do I measure my impact on? What do I measure my success on? Um, and and that takes different shapes and forms. But it's something super important that he taught me. Um, and um, the second mentor that. Um, taught me a lot um, as well without realizing it once again. He was not my manager. Um, his name is Mike Hall. Uh, he was at Microsoft, was kind of my hero uh, when I was not at Microsoft, uh, working in the Windows Embedded team. And it basically took me under his wing, uh, you know, as an evangelist, um, not by teaching me, not by, but just by doing. And he was a role model. And I apply things that, you know, I've seen him do even today, because I thought like having someone as a model was super important. I appreciate the way he was doing it. So people appreciated his work. And I did that. And that to me was super impactful, recognizing that my way is not the only way. And someone who has, you know, uh, trailed already their path, um, you know, they are, they are to be followed. They are to be, to be seen as models. And uh, that's, that's super important to me. So yes, I, I have a strong belief that, you know, not only mentorship goes both ways, but you have to be mentored at some point. And and don't it's not diminishing. It's not because you're already, you know, 30 years in career that it's a bad thing to have a mentor. You'll always learn something from a mentor, always learn something from someone else. And guess what? You could be mentored by someone younger than you because they have a different experience and they can teach you things as well. It can be a model for different aspects of your career, of your life. Um, so, yeah, this notion of mentoring, 
mentee-mentor relationship, I think is uh, super important in any kind of career. Absolutely. And, and mentorship takes many different forms, though, right? We think it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. But to your point, um, getting that from either someone younger, someone older, experienced, less experienced, more, all of that changes. But for me, it even comes from movies and books, right? And documentaries. Yeah. So you don't have to have that interaction with someone, but you can kind of see how a character lives their life or does certain things and learn from that and try to apply that to better yourself, right? So there's yep. opportunities everywhere. Just we have to be, we have to be open to it. I'm, I'm, um, I'm 200% with you. And you're doing a lot of AI stuff these days, which is super interesting. Um, I'm wondering when will the, the time come where you'll be able to say, hey, Chat GPT, act as if you were Tom Cruise and tell me, you know, what you would do in that situation. And that, that could be pretty interesting. I should try that, you know, as a mentor, it, it, um, that, that should work, right? No reason why not. It, it already does, actually. So I've got a couple of things I'll share. Um, so I've got the new iPhone 15 and the iPhone 15 did something very interesting. They changed the top little button that goes from ringer to, um, uh, to vibration and they made it a button. And you can now customize it to be whatever. So I've actually reprogrammed ChatGPT to be known as Jarvis. I love Iron Man. Um, so it's known as Jarvis. And you can go in and say, hey, listen, act as this individual. So I actually have some ChatGPT windows that say you're going to act as maybe a Bill Gates, maybe a uh, Warren Buffett, uh, maybe Elon Musk. So give me advice on this situation based on these individuals. And it will actually yeah. give out very dis, uh, different and distinct uh, pieces of advice that you can reflect on, right? So it's it's already there. That's fantastic. I, I'm not even surprised. I'm just like, you know, I think anything that any idea that starts with, you know, with MLLs and with like, uh, you know, AI and things like that here, you're, um, you'll be able to do this and that. And, and, and uh, I was like, yeah, not surprised. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, this is awesome. Well, we're at the time for our rapid fire questions. And so rapid fire is basically a segment where I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to respond with the first thing that comes to mind. And, uh, and we'll have a number of questions that we'll go through and we'll see how this goes. Okay. You ready? You can fire. It should be exciting and fun. Uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Okay. One gadget you can't live without. Oh, you say it without reflecting. Was that um, one gadget? <laughs> I have like too many in my life, man. This is this is torture. Um, <laughs> I have to say my the phone. Okay, your wake up time. Five thirty. Last thing you touch before going to bed. My <laughs> spouse. <laughs> Good night. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, one tech leader you'd love to have a chat with? Um, I already had with them, so not not him, but um, maybe Bill Gates, actually. Yeah. Um, you're into this space, so virtual reality or augmented reality? Augmented reality, like 200%. Most promising tech trend that you see in the next five years? Digital twins. And my and, last and, question. You know, to, like, this this one, I have it. to double click on that one a little bit. You say most promising one. 
So to me, it's not what I like when I think about a promising technology is something that is not fast, that is not like that is already there, but has not grown, has not bursted yet. And I think digital twin will be at the core of a lot of things as a technology or as a technology area. And we see a lot of things around it, like, you know, unified namespaces and things like that. They all circulate around the ability you can get from a service or from something to organize your data in, in a way that rec- resembles the reality of life, like the environment and so on. So sorry for the triple click that was like supposed to be quick and... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, our last question from our rapid fire is, if animals could talk, which would you want to have a conversation with? My dog. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. She well, knows Olivia, secrets, I'm sure. She I'm knows family sure, secrets. I'm sure I'm sure there's many secrets that we all would want to know from your dog, um, <laughs> but we'll leave that for another day. Uh, Olivier, thank you very much for joining us. I absolutely appreciate you taking the time to be here and sharing your insights with our audience. My pleasure, TJ. Thanks for having me. And uh, well, I'll send people to your uh, TJ Talks. I think uh, the format is fantastic. I love it. Thank you again, Olivier. It's been a true pleasure. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to T-Talks for more conversations with the leaders who are shaping our future. Until next time, keep on inspiring.